0: Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. Well, I thought yesterday we were done with Ed Litton plagiarism. They're calling it Sermongate, some people at least. Uh, that whole issue, I thought, I've spent almost an hour talking about it. We can move on. But as I thought about it last night and as the story developed even further in this morning, I thought, you know, this actually has some legs to it. This can go places that even the critical race theory issue can't go. Uh, or people are are willing to bring it places they weren't willing to bring that issue, and so I want to talk about that. There's a real political opportunity here for conservatives, and it's kind of the last glimmer of hope I think for those in the Southern Baptist Convention who are conservative, because this could really actually end up with Ed Litton resigning. Now, will he resign? I don't really think so, and I think the reason, the main reason, is the elites in the convention will not let that happen. Uh, but it's. This is one of those situations where you cannot be called a racist, or it's very hard to call someone a racist when they're making their issue Litton's plagiarism, namely because the person who would take Litton's place if he were to resign is a person of color and a very conservative person of color. So this is actually a very interesting situation, and I want to take a different angle on it and show you some new developments because – this this is actually, if you want to talk about something being systemic, this may be systemic. Could be, I don't know yet, but it, it, it seems like there's a lot of plagiarism going on. It wasn't just that one sermon. There's a lot more examples, and now that people are starting to look into his sermons and podcasts he's done, and even one person asking for his dissertation, which I don't think is publicly available, which it probably should be, uh, there's now all sorts of questions about... Uh, how often is he plagiarizing? Is this something that actually characterizes him? And uh, the answer that seems to be developing is not a good one for Ed Litton, uh, but it's also not a good one for progressives, uh, social justice advocates in the denomination uh, because they are they don't have a great response to this. So I'm gonna show you some more of that. There's some more responses have come out. Um, still some analysis uh, of where conservatives are. I'll give you some of that because I, I think, even though I think this is, Happening in an organic way, a grassroots way. It, it, I, I still feel like conservatives are kind of fumbling the football right now. They've they've got a pass. They can make a touchdown, and and it's just is the willingness there. So I want to I want to pump you up with some motivation if you're a conservative who's still in the Southern Baptist Convention. And maybe you're you're thinking of getting out, but this is that last little glimmer of hope. You thought, okay, maybe maybe this can can do something. Uh, we'll talk about it. A few housekeeping items. Um, before we talk about that social justice Pharisees by 80 Robles, woke church tactics and how to engage them is out. Uh, you can get it by going to 80 Robles.com. Um, and you can also get it by going, uh, to the link in the description in this video. Now, um, there is a price there. It's, uh, it's a $15 for the book, $5 for shipping. Uh, and that's, um, I think 80s charging like 18 bucks for, for all of it, something like that. So I'm, I'm uh, not undercutting him or anything, but, uh, what uh, My primary purpose in providing this link, which is actually, it's not even a publicly really available link, it's it's just in the info section for this podcast, is is not primarily that. Now, so you can purchase it if you want, because I, I do have a lot of books, but it's primarily for patrons. Um, if you are a supporter on Patreon, uh, there is a link in the info section to go and, and pick up this book, uh, and I, I waive the $15 fee. So all you need to pay for is ch- shipping, that's it. So if you're a Patreon of even five bucks a month, uh, then you get this book uh, essentially for free and um, and I'll ship it to you personally. So I wanna let you all know that that's a promo that I'm doing for Patreons and and just a way of saying thank you as well. Uh, I think it's a great book, I should actually read. I uh endorsed it and this is what i said it's on the back of the book 80 robles has written a wonderful and very accessible primer on the woke church movement filled with helpful examples and biblical engagement if you have to pick one book to give to your christian friends uh who is attracted to social justice movement this is the one to give them a necessary and important work and i mean that i don't just give my endorsement out uh Willy nilly, I really mean it when I say what I say, and uh, I, I think it's a great book. I think um is a very, very different person in the way he thinks than I do, and he reaches some people I won't. I reach some people he won't. I think I tend to be a little more academic in the way that I write. He tends to be a lot more conversational, and and we just have different ways of going about things. But I think those uh, those strengths, those different uh, skill sets and ways of thinking that we have, ways of processing information, actually, when when combined, I think it helps you see, uh, it, it just helps you see the issue from two different vantage points. Um, and so I think that's very helpful. Um, uh, also, uh, Social Justice Goes to Church, my first book, The New Left and Modern Evangelicalism is still uh, on the website, I'll put the link in the info section, $15 uh, to get this as well, same price, and I sign it for you. So uh, you can get that, um, purchase that, and um, uh I'm still writing, uh, coming to the end more of writing the next book, which I'm really excited about. I mean, I've read a bunch of books on the woke church movement. Most of them, I think, are lacking. I think AD does a very good job, obviously, or I wouldn't be uh, putting his book out there. Um, but there's uh, most of the books that have come out. I, I they're they're lacking. There's something missing when I get to the end of it. It's just there's some I, I like it, but there's something that's it's not getting to the heart of of something. Uh, whether that's um, it just fails to understand postmodernism adequately, adequately, or it fails to understand Marxism adequately, or oversimplifies certain things. Um, and, and I probably think in terms, in ways, because of uh, the way I write and the way I process information that are, you know, some people like it just being laid out very simply. I, I like to get the details uh, often. I like, there's some things I like simple, but I like you know, give me the full picture here. Give me every, the, the items I need. And what I'm writing right now, it, it's, it's really my statement on the social justice movement. It's, um, it's the history of the movement, the secular movement. I mean, it's the kind of things that in, in the book I'm writing now, which is going to be called Christianity and Social Justice, Religions in, Religions in Conflict. Um, it's going to help you answer a lot of the questions that I get all the time from people. I'm, I'm going to have an appendix with, here's the questions to ask your pastor uh, or your potential, you know, pastor who wants to promote social justice? What kind of questions would you vet if you're on a uh, committee? Um, If, uh, you know, if someone asks you, why can't social justice be a a good thing? um, You got the full history right in front of you in the most succinct way I possibly can give it to you with chapter and verse. All the citations are there. Uh, we go through the epistemology. We go through the metaphysic of it. We go through the false gospel with lots of citations from the Southern Baptist Convention, from the Presbyterian uh, Church of America in America, from uh, just all kinds of different places. Um, we go through the ethics. We go through the Bible verses that are taken out of context. So it's going to be really helpful when it comes out. And those who support me on Patreon, you're helping me do this. I can't just write a book. Uh, because you support me, uh, it enables me to take that time to write what I need to write. So um, while you're waiting for that, though, this is a good uh, accompanying book, Social Justice Goes to Church, because it is the history of how this got into evangelicalism. Uh, and then um, and then again, once again, you can go pick up this book. Uh, if you're a patron, the link is in the info section for that. Now, um, other things you can expect moving forward uh, during the week, I, I got uh, a bunch of stuff planned. We're going to talk about uh, Mormonism, actually. I don't usually do that, but I, I've wanted to branch out and do some other things, talk about Mormonism. And I'm going to ask um, someone who knows a lot about Mormonism, uh, what social justice is doing even to Mormonism. That's not the primary reason we're doing it, but we, we, you will find out more about that. We're going to talk about uh, the uh, the audit in Arizona and what's happening with uh, the election issue, the fraud issue, etc. cetera. Um, the the ballot all the ballot issues uh haven't talked about that in a while how we're going to plan on um doing one an episode on that um we're going to talk about the presbyterian church in america uh and what's going on in the pca i know some of you have wanted to hear me talk about that and i'm planning on, on getting some content out there uh and a whole bunch of other stuff i know uh i just saw uh two weeks ago the town of um Charlottesville, city of Charlottesville has voted to take out the Robert E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson statues. And I know there's some other statues there that are under threat, some memorials, uh, but they're, they're actually taking those two out. And so we're going to do uh, a podcast on that as well. That's local politics for me. Virginia has been, for those who don't live in Virginia, it's just, it's a, it's incredible. They've renamed lakes. They've renamed streets. They're renaming high schools. They're renaming everything and taking down statues. It's, it's certainly, uh, it's fascinating to see what's happening and how fast it's happening. And, uh, and I'm, I'm probably just going to read you quotes about Stonewall Jackson and Robert E. Lee just from other people, people outside the South, foreigners, uh, people from the North, people who even fought them, um, uh, all kinds of different folks. I'm just going to read for you their quotes. So uh, there, there's a bunch of stuff. There's even more than that. But I just want to give you a preview of what's happening. It's not all Southern Baptist stuff, but we are going to focus a little more on Southern Baptist stuff today. Ed Litton uh, in freefall, SBC elite's incapable of responding. I chose my wording carefully. They're incapable. They just, they can't, there's not much they can do with this one. I want to start off by playing you yet another clip. This is um, Ed Litton admitting to lying about his sermon prep times. This is some of the stuff that's just coming out. And I think what happened was people started thinking, okay, there's an issue here with plagiarism. I wonder if, and they started looking under the hood, uh, I wonder if there's a problem here. I wonder if there's a problem there, and they're finding stuff everywhere. And we're, I think we we're probably at the beginning of this. Uh, but here's a, a clip.
1: It'll um, be the spirit. Here we go. The spirit validating. Hey, this son. This son. This is where I've been leading you in this. And and boom, insight will will come from that. And so that's that's part of it. But listen, we breathe. We have to breathe the Holy Spirit. So the number of hours. I to be very honest, I used to lie. I used to tell people, you know, 24, 24 hours of sermon. You know, uh, if you're, you could you can spend too much time. You're dorking around doing something else with your head. But, but an actual. And by the way, let me say this too. When you're younger, it's going to take longer. Right. The older you get.
0: So he's talking about sermon prep times, and what he ends up saying is that he lied about. Uh, his sermon prep times. So he would tell people, "I spent 24 hours," but he didn't really spend that long. I think he says eight hours later in the clip. I know some people as a figure of speech. Sometimes I don't. I, I, I I'm not expecting to hear it from a pastor, but I, I I've had friends who will just say, "I lied about something," and they don't really mean they lied. They mean they they said something that was false. With there was no intention of lying. There it was more uh, a yeah I mean technically yeah did they lie they said something that was not true but it was not intended to deceive someone Ed Litton um, when he says that I want to give him that benefit of the doubt but even so it's still it's this has been played a lot this is out there on Twitter and in social media it's not a good look and it's not when you're aware of yourself you know and this is someone who's the president of the Southern Baptist Convention so he's going to do a lot of media interviews if you're aware of yourself and you're doing a public interview, especially on something like sermon prep, so this is for pastors, you'd think you wouldn't say something like that, uh, or it, it's just, I, I don't even know how to, because part of me wants to try to uh, help him out a little here and say, well, he could mean that he's just was he was mistaken himself, but the thing is, he doesn't say that. He says, I used to lie, and then they laugh about it not it it, this is the kind of thing and it's going to be it's kind of like a death by a thousand cuts uh it's not just that thing obviously it's not just what you saw yesterday when i played a side by side of him and jd greer it's it's the stuff that's going to be coming out over the next two weeks that continual uh here's another example of him plagiarizing here's another example of him saying that he's because really the, the the attack is on his character The 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 threat to him is that he is deceptive. That this is a man who's deceptive, and that's not helping him. And there's going to be a lot of other clips coming out that are going to show this is a guy who's deceptive. That's the problem, and that's where um, he's not helping himself by not just coming out and giving a full blown repent apology, uh, repentance and apology, and then actually at this point resigning. And I'll talk about uh, talk about that angle in a moment. What conservatives probably should be doing what they can do at least uh, to, um, to to promote Ed Litton leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, which I think some are thinking this way, but not, not everyone is. Uh, here's another uh, example of this. This is um, from uh, Justin Peters, a Capstone Report reported on this, but Justin Peters put out a whole podcast on this. Uh, he says, I was watching this sermon uh, just because I wanted to see if Ed Litton was going to address the plagiarism controversy. But when I heard him, so, so literally, Justin Peters goes to Ed Litton's website, says, I just want to hear if he's going to address it this Sunday. And what he ends up hearing is uh, Ed Litton says in the sermon from last Sunday, uh, you know, that's an interesting phrase there. I've never heard that before. Jesus is not my crutch. He's my iron lung. That's pretty catchy. So I thought, you know, I'm going to, so so Justin Peters hears this. Litton says, uh, Jesus is not my crutch, he's my iron lung. So Justin Peters goes and he says, I think I've heard that before. So he, he searches and sure enough, it's from a book called Meant to Live. Uh, and this is by Nancy Hicks. And apparently she says the same thing. He's not my crutch, he's my iron lung. Peters also said, so Mr. Litton, uh, Did you yourself personally tell someone that Jesus is not your crutch, he is your iron lung? Or did you, or one of your team members who helped you write this sermon, read that in Nancy Hicks' book? Now, this would seem like such a minor thing, and it would be. A week ago, it really would be such a minor thing. No one would have thought anything of it. The problem is the microscope's on Ed Litton now. And because he's already been shown to have plagiarized without attributing anything to the person he got the information from, now people are looking all over his stuff. For examples of that, and they're going to find it. And and that's, I think, what's going to ultimately be a a problem for Mr. Litton. So uh, the narrative is hardening. Uh, You can look at the mainstream media uh, has, uh, this is from al.com. These are secular, by the way. Uh, Newsweek on msn.com, Washington Post, all of them reporting on Ed Litton's plagiarism. Now, they're not giving it the kind of treatment a conservative news outlet would give it, um, but they are reporting on it. Uh, you have even on his Wikipedia page, the Sermongate plagiarism scandal. And it says, on June 26, 2021, Ed Litton became embroiled in, uh, in plagiarism allegations. It was sparked when a YouTube user published a video showing Ed Litton preaching a sermon that the media outlets described as strikingly similar to a sermon preached by a year earlier by J.D. Greer. Southern Baptist websites described this as Sermongate, with more mainstream media outlets, including Newsweek, focused on Litton's church hiding over 140 sermon titles, Lytton released a statement on his church website admitting to using J.D. Greer's words without proper attribution. So this is what's happening. The narrative is hardening on them and they don't know what to do. The elites in the SBC don't know what to do. And think about it. Their usual go-to measure is accuse the person of racism, of sexism, of some kind of insensitivity, of bigotry. Try to go down that road. Uh, Christian nationalist, etc., try to to cast shade on them because they're uh, they're they some kind of insensitivity there. They're not inclusive. They have a hard time with this one. And the reason they're having a hard time is because if you accuse someone of racism, which I'm sure they thought of, for uh, shining a spotlight on Ed Litton's plagiarism, the the it's a stretch first of all, but secondly, if the intended result of pointing that spotlight on him is to get him to resign is to say look you should resign or apologize or something and if the vice president for the southern baptist convention is a person of color named lee brand which he is and he's a conservative it's going to be a very hard uphill battle for the progressives to turn this one into racism ed Litton is as white as a piece of chalk and the person that is the vp is a person of color how are they going to there there's i mean they don't they don't have anything there's really not much they can do on this and and they can try their best i think they're probably having strategy sessions now trying to figure out how in the world do we uh get the pressure taken off ed Litton, but it's already there and one of the things i had said in yesterday's video is that and and I, i went back and i looked at it because i wanted to to uh i wanted to see what i had said I, I basically, to summarize myself, I had said that um, the progressives in the Southern Baptist Convention are acting like the at Boston University treated Martin Luther King Jr.'s plagiarism. They just, he plagiarized his dissertation. A lesser person, a normal person, would have been stripped of their PhD, but not Martin Luther King Jr. because he's Martin Luther King Jr. And because he forwarded equality, uh, he is, no matter what he does, he can do no wrong. Now, here's the thing. I think the progressives in the SBC feel that way about Ed Litton for the most part. That's true. They're, They're circling the wagons. I've already shown that and I'll show some more of it. The progressives though in the media, the social justice advocates in mainstream media, I don't think they feel that way as much. I think they'll use someone like Ed and They'll use someone like J.D. Greer. And, of course, progressives in the SBC are more than willing to be used by the mainstream media. They, they interpret it as their, uh, you know, I guess, engaging culture and opening doors to get the gospel into places it wouldn't be. And Except when they go on these interviews, they don't really share the gospel. They, they talk about left-wing politics and agree with whatever the news anchor says. But the news anchor uh, or the media organization, they're not trying to help Ed Litton. They, they would just as soon destroy the Southern Baptist Convention. They don't. But what they do want to do is pour some cold water on uh, Trump voters. And they know in the Southern Baptist Convention, if it can go progressive, even though they still, I mean, this is the same thing. I was reading this the other day. Um, very similar to this. The way the Kremlin in the 1950s and, and 60s Treated um, African Americans, uh, black people in the United States. The way the Kremlin treated them was they uh, they did not like their, the fact that they were so religious. In fact, a lot of them were um, in 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 the definition you used to grow up, you're used to growing up with, of racist. They they would have been considered that. They they didn't like black people necessarily, but they realized they could use them. They could use them to be the co-belligerents, the cannon fodder for them to. Uh, promote uh, disruption in society, if they could try to uh, let them know that, uh, convince them that the disparities around them, the things that they underwent, and some of them were legitimately unjust, uh, if they could convince them that that was all due to capitalism and that the communists had the answer to that, they had the remedy to that problem, uh, then they, they could use them. And once they were done with them, they were done with them. And I think that's the way the mainstream media views the progressives in the Southern Baptist Convention—they don't like the Southern Baptist Convention, certainly they don't like they don't like religion in general, unless it is you know it has to be super far wacko left. And even then, I mean that it's they have their own religion, which is a secular social justice religion in general. But they they don't like Southern Baptists. I mean, you believe in the, even the authority of the Word of God, right? I know we're softening inerrancy to use authority now, but you you believe in any of that stuff? That they're not going to like you. But if you're the If you're the tip of the sword and you can get into places they can't go to fight the conservatives, they'll support you. And so I don't expect the mainstream media to treat Ed Litton the way the progressives in the Southern Baptist Convention do. They're going to report on this and maybe more favorably than a conservative outlet, but it's still going to be unfavorable, just the fact that they're reporting on it. Now, I want to show you something. Uh, This is, let's see if I can pull it up here. Yes, This is um, another sermon, Reformation Charlotte put this out today, Uh, another J.D. Greer, Ed Litton mashup, and I'm expecting a lot more of this, I don't think, uh, 13 minutes is kind of long, let's just see how far we get on this, and we'll watch it, and uh, this is the kind of thing I think that's going to be coming out more and more as the week's progress
2: in fact why don't we just do this right now this is sort of a little uncouth maybe spontaneous but um if you right now listening at one of our campuses um, in our church here if you are employed by the government in any way and i would include in that first responders law enforcement of course military social workers teachers a representative uh, elected representative of some kind or if you work for one of those people if you work for the government receive your paycheck from them Would you do us the honor at all of our campuses of just standing up right now? Just stand to your feet right now, wherever you are, if you work for the government. All right, remain standing. Put your hands together. Why don't you just stand there? Stay standing, okay? Stay, stay, remain standing.
1: Uh, If you're at home, please, I understand you don't have to stand up. But at our West Campus, if you serve the government, if you receive... A paycheck from the government. Maybe you're a public school teacher. Maybe you're a police officer. Uh, maybe you work in the tax department, the revenue department. Maybe uh, you, you, you're an agent of one of our law enforcement organizations. And so if you are, would you just
2: stand up for a moment? And I want to do what Paul says in another place in Scripture where he tells us to pray for you. He tells us to pray for those that that serve in this capacity because it's hard work and and you do so as we're going to show you in in some ways as God's representative. And so we're going to pray for you and I'm going to kind of commission you in, in what you do. So if you're around one of these people and you know them, just reach out and kind of put your hand on them. Show them or lay your hands on them. If you don't know them, probably best not to reach out and touch them like that especially if it's a policeman they're gonna think you're feeling for their gun so don't do that okay so um just reach out if you know them, kind of put your hands on them and let me voice a prayer on our behalf to god okay and i want all of us to express our gratitude for
1: those who serve us in our nation first responders
2: teachers and we thank you for your work father thank you thank you for these brothers and sisters that have given their lives in service to make our lives better and to uh, protect us and to serve us and to help us. We pray that, that, Father, they would be able to do this with justice and equity. They would do so with wisdom that comes from you. They would do so in a way that leads to peace and leads to freedom um, and blessing for all. We thank you for these brothers and sisters. We're very grateful for them. Um, Anoint them in their work. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Put your hands together one more time as they take their seat. Matter of fact, I want to pray for you right now. Father in
1: heaven, I pray for those who serve us through our governments. And Lord, we thank you for those who serve on a national level, state level, local level, county. Lord, we thank you that they serve, and we pray your blessing upon their service, that they will care for people, that they'll have a heart for justice and righteousness. Lord, give them wisdom in all that they do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated.
2: There are two primary things that I believe you and I are to glean from this passage. If you're taking notes, this will be your outline for today. The first is we can see the responsibilities of those who govern. We can see the responsibilities of those who govern. This is, if you will, a kind of job description for the government. I want to talk about two things this morning. I want to talk about the responsibility of government. The second thing you'll see, and this is the most important part, the responsibility of those who are governed. That's most of us. And I want to talk about the responsibility of the governed. You think that many of our leaders are batty, and for good cause, I might add. But Caligula, who was Caesar around this time. was a Roman emperor by the name of Caligula. Caligula was unfit to keep a
1: pet, let alone run an empire. Now... Let me just say up front, he wasn't,
2: he wasn't worthy of having a pet, much less being an emperor. Let, let me just run you through a quick laundry list of Caligula's greatest accomplishments. First thing he does when he's in office, when he becomes Caesar, he has his mom and brother killed to make sure that they don't challenge his right to the throne. He openly committed incest with three of his sisters. He frequently would cross-dress and go out in public. He installed his favorite horse, Incitatus, as a senator, and then later promoted him to pro he killed his mother and brother to gain his
1: power. He openly lived in an incestuous relationship with his multiple sisters. He was a cross dresser. He, he made, he, he literally made his horse
2: a Roman Senator. I have to ask what had the horse done as Senator that earned him a promotion to pro council, right? I mean, how do you even vote when you're a horse in the Senate? All in favor say aye. All opposed. Wait for it, nay, okay.
1: You get it, right? Can you imagine that? A horse, every time the Senate gathered, a
2: horse would walk in, it was the emperor's horse. When they voted, he would say, nay. Hey. often during gladiatorial games, which were cruel enough, calliguit- all
0: right, I can't take any more. <laughs> I can't take any more. Uh, this is bad. This is really bad. Um, th- this is him preaching the same sermon. It's the same illustrations. It's the same points. It- he's preaching the same sermon and without attribution, that's that's definition of plagiarism. I don't know that that's textbook plagiarism. How many examples are there of this of Ed Litton doing this, and how many preachers has he done it with? This is the problem. And will conservatives uh, actually pick up what's right in front of them and carry that baton? Is the question that I have, and I want to encourage uh, conservatives in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, to do. Uh, let's see here. We have um, two people that I wanted to highlight. Uh, I, I, For those who didn't see yesterday, I talked about Danny Aiken, Adam Greenway, Malcolm Yarnell, James Merritt, Keith Whitfield, all elites in the Southern Baptist Convention, um, and all of them circling the wagons uh, around defending Ed Litton. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Well, today I saw Bart Barber, uh, who was on the resolutions committee for the Southern Baptist Convention last time around, and John Mann, who I believe is an uh, adjunct professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, both of them also defending Ed Litton. I mean, listen to this. This is Bart Barber. Litton has not transgressed the Baptist faith and message, nor has he committed any malfeasance of his office. If he were outside the boundaries, this is ridiculous. They're making So you make the standard, the Baptist faith and message. Well, it doesn't say so you can't plagiarize. Well, that's not the point what about the word of god i mean if that's their argument let them have it let them let them use that argument because they're 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 probably just trying to figure out what's going to work and nothing is john man confession i preach an average of 40 minutes per sermon you could lift nine seconds from every one of my sermons and make me look really bad but that would be uncharitable and sinful well uh yeah, but that's, well, this is great. Let them do this. If they want to make these, their arguments, this is great because this isn't like nine seconds lifted from one sermon. This is Ed Litton side by side for 12 minutes, preaching the same sermon as JD Greer, basically. Um, so these are pathetic attempts, but these are the attempts that are being made out there. And the thing that I wanted to highlight, uh, was that there's nothing being said from people like Albert Moeller, um, I'm not sure who else would I even expect to weigh in on this? Who's, uh, has that, you know, still, still to some people, they think of them as quote unquote conservative. There's not too many left, but, um, people Well, even think about like even the, uh, conservative Baptist network, right? I would give them a week to come up with a way of, I'm sure they probably will write way in on this. Um, I mean, they have to, I don't know how they couldn't, but, uh, the people that would be leaders in that, are they saying anything about this? I know Rod Martin is. I haven't looked at everyone, but, um, and this isn't to condemn anyone. This is more to encourage that, guys, this is the time. If you are in the Southern Baptist Convention, if you have any uh, idea of wanting to be in leadership, wanting to return the the convention to orthodoxy, this is an issue that, that you can really go to town on. And people are way more willing to go to town on this who are in the pews uh, and not just the pews, but that mid-level, kind of like where I'm sitting, people who are um, who, who are on social media, who talk about these issues. I, I see boldness in some people that I have not seen on the critical race stuff at all. They're willing to come out and say something. And I've, I've wondered a little bit, like, what, why is that? And I think part of it is people are deathly afraid of being called racist, deathly afraid of it. This is one of the issues that you don't have to be uh, that brave about you can even have a little cowardice and you can still go after Ed Litton for racism and it's also a joke that's ready made. People uh, on social media are now you know posting things like ask not what you can do for your country but what your country uh, or ask not what your country can do for you but what you can do for your country and then quote Ed Litton you know thing, famous quotes that you've heard uh, four score and seven years ago Ed Litton, that kind of thing. And, and so it's becoming something that's developing into to the meme world. And at that point, it, it's kind of like a baked in narrative. And, um, and, and I, I think because Ed Litton, and, and this is the reason I wanna be careful about this, because Ed Litton is not actually apologizing, not repenting, uh, asking for forgiveness for those he's preached to for years. Uh, he's not, and, and including now, he's not stepping down from the convention at all, or even uh, offering his resignation. Uh, because of that, I, I I mean, go for it. Uh, ask for this man to resign. You make this an issue. And I think if there's a Southern Baptist who show real leadership, really make this an issue, I think it's going to coalesce some support around them because they're going to identify with the people in the pews who are seeing this now, some of them. And uh it's it's a it's a clown show now I, I mean the presidency of the southern baptist convention is a clown show at this point and for those who want there to be maturity seriousness about the the weighty matters that the southern baptist convention needs to be focused on uh for all the talk about we need to focus on the great commission um i mean this is you have a guy who's plagiarizing his sermons it's it's disheartening and i think if someone were to carry that mantle and not to be a jerk about it but just to to say this is unacceptable, and you know uh, there's forgiveness in Christ for this plagiarism, but you cannot be the president of this convention while being a plagiarist. And it, you know, I don't even know. I want to. There's certain names I kind of almost want to name, like you know, I, I I kind of, and I don't know Lee Brand personally. I really don't. I don't know him. I've never talked to him. But in the position he's in, as the vice president, I mean. This is, maybe he doesn't want to do it because of that position he's in and make it look like he's after power or something. But man, guys, if someone could, if, if, if you could put the pressure on Lytton enough that this is something that's beyond the pale, which it is. This is not just an opportunistic thing. This is not good. The world even sees that this is not good. Uh, the world, which has lost all its moral bearings, still thinks that plagiarism is a bad thing in general. Now, I'm sure that's going to go out the window at some point, but they still kind of think that so if if they can even see this i mean is this really being a good public witness i I think it's time for someone to really make the case lee brand needs to be the president of the southern baptist convention lee brand uh is and and I, i use the woke logic against them i wouldn't use the woke logic yourself but if they object to it if anyone objects to it on social media or wherever this is being discussed i would say well why are you objecting to a person of color uh who doesn't have a plagiarism problem uh I'm assuming that um, taking the reins of the Southern Baptist Convention. So anyway, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. I thought it might help some people in the convention, encourage you to to kind of turn the temperature up a little bit on this. Um, So that that was it. That's all I had for today. Uh, If you are more into this and want to really forward the narrative, uh, Capstone Report's reporting a lot on this. And I think every piece of information that I'm finding out through other sources, they're eventually picking it up and also putting it out there. So um, this is going to be my last show on it. Unless something earth shattering happens, uh, then because oh, there's a lot more stuff we need to, to go over and talk about and things I've had on the back burner for quite some time. But um, but I, I wanted to get this out there to encourage you guys uh, to, to keep going. And um, this is that last glimmer of hope that I was not expecting for the SBC if if conservatives can capitalize it and if there's enough pressure to uh, get Ed Litton to step down and uh, leave Brand to take his place. God bless you all. Hope that was helpful. Hope you're having a good summer. And uh, don't forget, link's in the info section for both of these books uh, if you are so inclined. Uh, God bless. Bye now.